Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host and I have the one and only Jamie Green, the solar queen on the show, but I'm not bringing her on until you share this out. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going to bring her on in just a second. Stay with us. And we are back. Let me bring Jamie Green, the Solar Queen, on the show. Jamie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Look at this. Bruce has been waiting on this all morning. Oh, that's I. That's so nice. Hi, Bruce. Look how much more tan you are than I am. This this is not fair. You were just in Hawaii, and I wasn't. Well, and and I was not out in the sun as much as I normally would have been, but yes, I. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it's a little shocking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really. There's a significant difference here. Yeah. There's wow. Doug. Good morning, Doug. There's Doug. I loved. I just talked to Doug a few minutes ago. So, so Jamie, um, as you know, I created this show about three years ago. And it was to help people get unstuck, to have a breakthrough in life. And I know life has been a walk in the park for you and you've everything's been very easy. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> but th so this is about, you know, your life story and, and how you got through the tough times and, and inspire other people and, and help them. So, so Jamie, why don't we start with where you were born and raised? Well, there are two separate places. I was born yeah. in Seoul, Korea, South yeah. Korea, not North Korea. And then okay. I was adopted when I was a baby. So I uh, flew over from Korea with an, um, they were called like adoption exp, uh, what are they? Uh, were they escort, an adoption escort mm. from the adoption agency. And my yeah. dad flew over to Chicago, picked me up, and then we turned around and went on a, got on a plane and flew to uh, Seattle, Washington. And I grew up in a town called Puyallup, Washington, where you can do the Puyallup. It's the big state fair. Puyallup, yeah. Puyallup, Washington. That's where I grew up um, with my family. Uh, my sister, myself, and my brother were all adopted from different, you know, families. We all joined one family with my brother, our older brother, and my mom and dad. So, yeah, I grew up there. Wow. In Puyallup, Washington. So, how old were you? You were a baby? Yeah, I came to America in um, September 1979. I just told everyone what my age was <laughs> or is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, so I was five so, months old. I came to America when I was five months old. Oh my gosh. Wow. So so you um so obviously you have no no memory of of um <laughs> look, Victoria said lies. You're not <laughs> that old. 
So, um, yeah, she is that old. I'm that old. <laughs> and that's not even old. So, um, but so, so you have no memory of, of being in Korea. I would imagine. I don't have any memories of being in Korea, except for when I went there to meet with Korean Airlines. I was there to meet Korean Airlines when I worked for the Boeing company way, way much later in life. So it was a, it was an experience. You know, I, I didn't know what to expect being that I'm Korean. Uh, that's in quotations. I'm Korean, but I don't really look or feel Korean to the Koreans, Koreans. <laughs> oh really yeah like the people knew i was not like they knew i was korean but that i wasn't culturally korean if that makes sense Why? the men were really nice to me but the women were like they knew oh victoria if only you knew how much gray hair i <laughs> thank you i'll girl. take it <laughs> she's sweet she's a sweetheart so 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 you um, you came to you came to America. You um, were a baby. You're in here. You are in Washington, um, yep. and th that. Well, I mean, I, I would say that had to be culturally a shock, but not really. You were a baby. So, yeah, I know. People ask wow. me what it was like growing up being adopted and having, you know, my sister's half black, half Korean, gorgeous. And then my brother's from India. So he's, he's dark, really, really dark skinned. Um, and then my brother, my older brother, he's, you know, my biological or his biological, our parents, his biological parents, they're white. So we um, don't look anything alike. None of us yeah. do. Yeah, do you love you all up? <laughs> it's now called the Washington Fair. I think it's like the number one money making like event for the state, and the state took it over because they yeah. wanted all the money. <laughs> the the um the Jill ran the Ohio State Fair for eight years. So oh my gosh! So she, she's familiar. She's been, I think I remember her sharing that with me. Yeah, she's well, been it's all the fair over that the goes country. on for three weeks, and they would bring in yeah. people like Doug Wing and the Little Giant Ladder Company. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. but they it would bring in huge concert series and everything, and it was like the thing that everyone looked forward to going to, you know, big concerts. Yeah. Um, look. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all crazy. Um, <laughs> what is what is wrong with him? Seriously, <laughs> and look, he's saying we are the worst. It's true. We, I, I wish I had like a family picture of all of us. We didn't I, have very many family pictures taken, but <laughs> I mean, I had a friend on my show the other day, and she was she's Korean, but she wasn't adopted from Korea. Her parents were adopted from Korea, but we grew up in the '80s where perms were in. Like, it didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you were what your ethnicity was but perms were in and our moms per like cut our hair short and then permed our hair and Jeez. um yeah it was terrible terrible like little bit uh what is it you know what's the word when it's like it sticks with you anyways it it's like it was embarrassing because we would go swimming and in the summertime we'd be outside in chlorine and my hair turned basically orange. 
Oh my gosh. So I had to cut it off really, really short. And um, at the Puyallup Fair during the winter time, they had the Victorian country Christmas. Oh and God. I remember being looking at something and, and this lady goes, the lady at the shop goes, can I help you find something little boy? And I was like traumatized. Cause at first I had you know, curly, curly hair as a Korean that you don't really see a Korean kid. Yeah. Then in the summertime, that summer, we went swimming every day in the summertime. My hair turns, you know, orange. And I we cut it off for school and it was really, really short. My mom tried to convince me that it was um, really cute. And she, I mean, you know, she probably thought it was really cute. But it's like those like childhood traumas of, oh, my gosh, what did my mom put me there? Right. So, oh, so now is Puyallup, is it west of Seattle? It is or, south of Seattle. So, south of Seattle. Yeah, okay. if you think of, let's see if this is right. Okay, this is right. Olympic Peninsula. Yep. Olympia. Yep. Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> if it. you've been watching The Undercover Billionaire, which I know you have, yep. Tacoma is e or west of of Puyallup. So Tacoma, uh, Puyallup is east of Tacoma on your way to Mount Rainier. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, you know, it's been a long time ago, but I've been there long time ago. I used to live out there. You, uh, we talked yeah. about that. You, yeah. Didn't you live in Olympia or Lacey or something? I, I was all over the place, but I lived, oh. I, I lived in uh, Magnolia primarily. And then, yeah, I was Magnolia, Seattle. Yeah. That's like, that's like up where, no, Medina is where Bill Gates lives. Yeah. Magnolia is yeah. up there though. In it's Seattle. nice. It's yeah, very it's beautiful. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah. So, but it, I love Seattle. In fact, when I left Seattle, I said, I'm going to retire here someday, but the traffic, like people from LA go, Oh, the traffic in LA is so bad. How about go live in Seattle? Cause there's nothing like Seattle. There's one interstate. I, well, the there's I one major, portal. yeah, and then it breaks in. Then there's one on the in the valley that 167. Yeah, that turns in. You can either go merge in with uh, I-5, or you can go over to the 405. The 405. Here I am in California saying it. Well, I too. <laughs> do you all have? Yes, everybody that's a member of Grow Live has a Grow Live drinking thing about thing about thing about. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so Jamie, um, I, I have to turn my, geez, getting hammered with junk calls and stuff. So, so, um, you grew up out, I mean, what was it like for you growing up in, um, first, you know, in, in the situation you were in, like what, what, I mean, you were adopted. Did you have questions? Did it, did it, did it ever no, not until I got older when people would like, you know, kind of point out that we were a different family. But I mean, we all knew that we were, our family was unique, that we were different because Puyallup yeah. is, went back in, back when we were growing up, I could count how many Asian families I knew on one hand that were like authentically Asian. I mean, yeah. parents immigrated from the countries that they were from. Yeah. And, um, there were a handful of African-American families. And um, so we grew up in a very white community. And 
we just knew we were different and we didn't let that stop. I mean, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm so different from the rest of these people. We just assimilated. I feel like I did. I can't speak on behalf of my brother and sister when it was like for them, but for us, it was like a normal family. Like we, it was just, this was our family. I didn't yeah. know any different, you know? And I, I think about it like with my kids today, they don't remember me being pregnant. And I just remember thinking, I never saw my mom pregnant and ever experienced a newborn in the family. It was like one day we just had my brother. <laughs> like he just, wow. we just adopted him and he came into our family and, you know, and my sister and I were very close in age. So it wasn't like I remember her coming to join our family, but she did yeah. come when to America when she was a year and a half old and I was three. So I don't remember yeah. you know, those transactions, if you will. But, you know, I just don't remember that. I remember my brother coming and joining wow. our family. And uh, he's he's great. He, he was uh, an orphan, like his mom died of polio and, and his dad couldn't take care of him and dropped them wow. off at, um, I know that sounds terrible, but I mean, he was dropped off at mother Teresa's orphanage in Calcutta and, and somehow he wound up in our family. Wow. And again, I've been to India. My brother has not been to India, but I've been there twice. Really? Yeah. Wow. I have a whole map behind me of all the countries I've ever traveled to. Let's see. Right here. This wow. is like, I worked for Boeing for 10 years. So I lived on the freeway on I-5 for 10 years of my life. <laughs> but I worked up there and traveled all over the world for Boeing, for the Boeing company. And so I had the pleasure of traveling on their behalf um, to 22 I, countries. I, it's funny when I lived out there, you know, I mean, prior to Microsoft and, and all the tech companies, Boeing was the largest employer. And somebody told me that there there used to be a billboard on on I five southbound that said the last would the last Boeing employee please turn out the lights in Seattle <laughs> like, <laughs> like but yeah I mean it's it's there I don't know if they're still huge out there but they were they were certainly a massive employer oh yeah I mean but they've gone through they've gone through their own you know. Um, issues with the one when I left right when the seven, um, seven eighty seven was being built like wow. in test flight. Uh, but it's a, from what I understand, it's a gorgeous plane and wonderful to fly in. Uh, and then the seven thirty seven max had their issues recently. So the company has been through some hardships, but I left. yeah, it's been, gosh, I love, I retired. I retired from Boeing when I was 30 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I retired. On my so, on my thirtieth birthday, it was my last day of work. I chose my birthday, and um, wow. I I was there for almost eleven years. Look at that, Scott Ricard currently works for oh, Boeing. Where does wow. which where does what does Scott do for the Boeing? Yeah, company? Scott, what do you do there, man? I think he's in in, in Indiana. Oh sure. well, Chicago is where their headquarters are. They moved their headquarters from Long Acres Park, where I worked. Next door, I worked in, in flight training and maintenance training. Oh, wow. And so I, um, the headquarters were right next door to us. That's where was that. So let's back up because you, you went through school. You went to, did, did you graduate in Puyallup? I, I, yes, I graduated oh, he high in, school. He Fort Walton Florida. State, Florida site. I thought, why did I think he lived in Indiana? Okay, he's in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. That's up in the panhandle. 
Yeah, Boeing has like, you know, places all over, little place that it was right when they were opening South Carolina's Charleston's um, manufacturing plant. Yeah. A lot of people had to like, were given the choice, move to Charleston or lose, go find a new job. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So what did you, what, so did you go to college? I did for a short while. You dropped I went out? To, I went to Western Washington University for two quarters. So I was a Viking up in Bellingham, which was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, before, I mean, it was kind of a weird time in my life though. Cause my, my parents, even though we were all adopted and, and everything, when I was 12, my parents got divorced and it was a really hard thing for us. Um, mm. I don't know that it was anything different than any other family would have experienced, but it, it you know, looking back and kind of thinking it through, it kind of felt weird to me. It was a weird concept to me that um, our parents would have adopted us and then got divorced, but it is what it is. And they got divorced and they both have remarried and are, um, are with their, sp you know, spouses for several, a couple decades now, which is great, but it was really hard for us, uh, as kids to go through that, which I think would be for any, any, you know, child. Um, and so my teenage years, I had a really good friend, um, and her name's Jamie, uh, Jamie Lane and her family, they just really kind of took me under their wing and um, helped me get through the high school years as my my parents were figuring out their new lives. Uh, and our family kind of got divided. So some of us went with our mom and some of us went with our dad and vice versa. We kind of switched around. It's kind of weird, but that's what our family did. Um, so high school is kind I kind of had to grow up really fast. Uh mm through junior high, high school, and started working when I was 16 years old and have basically, I mean, that's when I started working. So I went to high school. I found Jesus through my best friend, you know, so I was going through, um, through all this hardship, but I had um, God to lean on and his love and, and grace. And so that really like carried me through those, I guess, transformational years of my life as, you know, a teenager, <laughs> which wow. is already hard enough to live. Those years are hard enough to live through. But I had that and I had, I played fast pitch um, competitively for several, several years. And then um, was really into just, you know, trying to do the best I could. So I graduated from high school uh, and my best friend and I, Jamie, we, one, we loved country music. So we went to every single country concert. So that's why the Puyallup Fair is so significant because we went to a uh, lot of concerts there. And I mean, I, I remember seeing Garth Brooks in concert and George Strait, which is my all-time favorite. Uh, I mean, some I of the great George. country artists that, yeah. So that was, you know, just part of what I remember growing up being like. Yeah. Uh, so we, she and another good friend of mine decided that they were going to go to Western Washington University I really had it in my heart that I wanted to go to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois. Um, but that was a little bit later. Like, so I just was like, okay, I felt like I'm just going to go where it's comfortable, where I know people. And I'm going to go to Western Washington University with my two best friends from high school. Wow. I hate it. I didn't hate college. I just didn't get it. Like, I just didn't understand college. <laughs> where is Western Washington University? It's in Bellingham, Washington. So right up uh, against the Canada, yeah. United States border. It's gorgeous. Like some of the most yeah. beautiful, other than Maui, some of the most beautiful sunsets I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. It rains a lot there though. 
Yeah, that's why I don't live there anymore in Washington. Like State. it rains a lot. Like one one year, ninety three days of straight rain. Yeah, but it's, the rain isn't the thing. It's the gray, the constant gray. And it's not even a rain. People don't don't. It's not like in Ohio when it rains. It's like your windshield wipers. And in Washington, it's a mist all the time. It's just a mist. It's easy to have a perm. <laughs> you really I mean, kind of need to have a perm if you're going to live. Well, there. there were days where it pelted rain and everything. And it would yeah. occasionally get snow, like a cup, you know, every, every few years you get a good, um, you know, snowfall and people didn't know how to drive in the snow. And so it shut down everything. Um, yes. <laughs> physically yeah it is like people is. have low vitamin d and they're Ugh. cranky like depressed cranky people no i'm i'm not saying washingtonians are like that but a lot of people are you know a lot it's of people true. are yeah i mean it's yeah. it's the it's seattle i think is the number one city in the in the world per capita for suicide like it's it's oh geez i didn't know that it, I, i've heard that i don't know if it's true i've never but it, it's 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 pretty it can be but you know the year i lived out there for a year jamie and i was told that it was um it was it was out of character for what happened it literally was gorgeous almost every day for a solid year it was it was beautiful out yeah. there. And yeah. I was like, what the heck? And they don't put air conditioners in, in buildings. They, they, I mean, some of the big commercial buildings, yeah. but like houses don't typically, they're not built with. No, they air don't have air conditioning. It's crazy. It was, it was, it was, you were really, you were really wealthy if you had air conditioning. And that was like the perception, at least for me growing up. It's like air conditioning. What? Look what Charles. <laughs> you wouldn't know it that I was I love country music, but I do. <laughs> I mean, don't most Koreans? <laughs> I so I when I moved to San Francisco because that's where I'm I'm in the Bay Area now, along yeah. with Charles. He's been here a lot longer than me. Yeah, but a lot. Um, I mean, he's old, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he called you the old Korean girls. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, when I moved here, um, I didn't know it. Like I didn't know very many people. I didn't know anyone when I moved here. I just knew my husband who was at that time, my fiance, when I was at the fair. Yes. People <laughs> don't use umbrellas in Washington. No, it's crazy. You just it's, like, never, it's not really hardly ever a hard rain. Oh, in the wintertime it is. Yes, I know. In but, the wintertime it is. There are yeah. a couple of times driving on I-5 where I was like, I can't see. Like, you know, because yeah. semi-trucks are driving past you and yeah, whatnot. So you had the water coming from the, the you know, the, road, the ground yeah. from yeah. trucks driving by and then you have it coming. So it just, you needed a bit. I drove a Tahoe. Chevy Silverado because I needed something that I felt like I was, you know, protected by. And I think country music had something to do with that too, influencing me with yeah. the track. But um, no, when I moved down to San Francisco, I there was the voice was starting out, the show The Voice. Yep. So I had gone, I saw auditions for it in South San Francisco. So I went sat all day long and I the producer asked me when I auditioned. 
well, what, you know, why do you want to be on The Voice? And I said, well, I want to be the first Asian female country singer. <laughs> you just that's gotta awesome. laugh. <laughs> I didn't awesome. make it, uh, but that's okay. I tried it out and it was fun. And I met some amazing people sitting for hours waiting to audition. What did you sing? Were you singing like somebody else's song? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, what, I sang Allison Krauss. Well, Allison Krauss did a rendition of Keith Whitley's "When You Say Nothing at All." And I loved playing uh, that on the guitar and singing it. So I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna sing. Like, so I'll just sing that because it's the only song I knew by heart. <laughs> wow! And I love that song actually. It's so, gorgeous song. Well, <laughs> look, Victoria wants you to sing. Oh, it that's now. okay. No, no, I can barely talk right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's early out out in California. So, so. Um, Okay, so you you went to college for a little bit. And yeah. Oh, I went to college at Western, transferred down to Pacific Lutheran University in Parkland, Tacoma. Okay. Private school, really good. I wanted to, you know, play fast pitch there, but I had gotten injured, so I, there was no way. But I still, it was, I don't even know why I went to PLU. I think it was because the church I was going to after I left Western, a lot of people went there. So I was like, oh, I'll just go to PLU. I don't know why I did it, but I did. And I went there for a semester and I took um, like a loan out for $8,000 for a semester. And I was like, what am I doing taking out all this money? Because that was a lot of money back then. Yeah. I mean, I was supporting myself. My family, when my parents got divorced, it was who oh, Robbie was on the show yesterday with you. Um, yeah. Robbie Summers. Yeah. I could relate with, oh, you got to buy your own school clothes. Oh, you got to buy your own stuff. I mean, I remember working and I, I was, this is probably why I take so long to purchase something is because I'm analyzing it, making sure the exchange, the value exchange is there because yeah. I had to do that when I was a teenager. I get like, it. It wasn't like my family. I came from a lot of money and my family was like, here, you know, just go buy whatever you want. Right. You know, so I, I, when I heard that yesterday, I was like, I totally get that um yeah so i uh i was like what am i doing taking out a loan i don't even know what i want to well i wanted to study i was studying communication at plu okay i thought for a short while about being a news broadcaster i'm like the most negative like industry in the world why would i do this <laughs> did and you have that did you have that realization I did. And then I was thinking, why would I work when everyone else is at home? Like if I ever have a family, I don't want to be working in the wee hours of the morning and late at night and right. covering terrible stories. So I was like, ah, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. So how long did you go to college at PLU? A semester. Whoa. And then that's when, like, I was still thinking of Moody Bible Institute institute and a, a mentor of mine at my church was like well why don't you look at northwest bible institute college in kirkland and i was living in tacoma i was like that's a long commute because it didn't even dawn on me to go like move to kirkland washington i was like i'm right. 18 years 19 years old i i don't i don't know anyone there and i can't afford an apartment but the, these were yeah. the things i was telling myself and that's yeah. when she's like, well, if you're willing to commute all the way to Kirkland, which is like an hour and a half from with traffic from Tacoma, why don't you look at my husband's com company that he works at is hiring. So what about getting a job at the Boeing company? 
And I said, sure. So he's like, well, there's an opening now. So I applied that week. I had the interview the following week. And then that week later, I was working at the Boeing company, 19 years wow. old. Wow. Yeah. And so, so you, you, um, you, you dropped out of college at that when, point. Yep. And that's when I started working at the Boeing company. And wow. I, I mean, I, they, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll take the job. So Boeing then paid for some of my college courses. I took night school, but really Boeing was my college education. Cause they, um, I, I had like four major positions there at the Boeing company and that's how I got to travel. And so I feel like I got real world on the job training. Yeah. And so I was light years ahead. Oh, here comes my daughter. Um, <laughs> she's a hot mess. <laughs> you want to say hi to everybody? Oh, hi. Okay. Hi. Oh, you got lipstick on your. Do you want to go to your iPad? <laughs> okay. Close the door, babe. That's it's an ongoing so thing. It's, I know we've been on many meetings. <laughs> I've met all your uh, kids. Yeah, so, so that was like the thing. And I was going to this church in Tacoma and that was, I was really involved with. And um, so, you know, going to church cause that was kind of my family, so to speak. Yeah. And then I had my Boeing, all the Boeing people that I was working with. There weren't very many people my age at the Boeing company, believe it or not. So I didn't, you know, all my friends at work were, decades older than me. When I say decades, I mean, you know, even 40 years old was two decades older than me. Yeah. So I started traveling all over. They, I had this position 40 where I, is very old. So old. I mean, they're just, <laughs> I just turned, how old am I? I think I'm 42. I think I just turned 42. <laughs> Not oh, that old, but I just remember when I was growing up, 40 was so old. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's where I kind of feel like I got a little step ahead of people that were going hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt for college. That yeah. just didn't make any sense to me. And then I would find them working at Starbucks or, and I worked at Starbucks for a short while. Did you? I did. Cause I was, remember I still wanted to go to Chicago and go to Moody Bible Institute. So I thought Boeing was having rounds of layoffs. And so I took a voluntary layoff when I was like 21 and I tried to go, or 20 years, or 21. And I tried to, I took it. They gave me a severance package, said you have eight weeks, you know, but we need to keep you on until you go to Chicago. Right. Well, I didn't get into, I got into Moody Bible Institute, but I didn't get into the campus because you had to live on campus and they didn't have any on-campus housing for incoming college students. And you had to, because it's downtown Chicago. Yeah, right, right. So I was like, okay. So then I went, I didn't get in. I, I got a job at Starbucks so I could transfer over and have a job in Chicago while I was, yeah. in, you know, in school. Um, and uh, and then Boeing, and then I told Boeing that I couldn't go. And then they said, well, here, here's a full-time job as an executive assistant to the directors of flight training and, and standards. And I said, okay. So I worked with um, really wow. important people <laughs> The Boeing company. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I and you just, you mentioned Starbucks. It, it, what's funny about at, at in, in Seattle that I, when I was out there, at least, I don't know how it is today, but um, people from Seattle hate Starbucks. <laughs> a oh. lot of people. 
a lot of people. And, and one of the things that I loved about Seattle, and I've never seen this anywhere else. I don't know if it's like this in the Bay Area, but there's these little huts like in a grocery parking lot and you drive up to it and you get coffee like and it's all kinds of different coffee companies it's it's amazing i thought you were going to say and they were in bikinis serving you your coffee cuz <laughs> i didn't see any of those but i've heard of them i, I drove all like, over seattle looking for that place i couldn't they, they were all it. over <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like women would wear like bikinis serving yeah. coffee. It was crazy. I mean, it made yeah. the news. Like what, in, what have we come to? <laughs> what has America come to that there would be coffee drive through little huts with yeah. women in bikinis? Yeah. No, and tiny bikinis. Yeah. So, but I, I never, I saw that. I saw that on the news or, or a video or something. I never, I, but like, do they have those little huts in the Bay Area, different variety? Look, not Seattle's really. the only place I've ever seen that. Yeah, not really. I mean, I love Starbucks coffee when Do I you? go to Starbucks. Yeah, but when I drink yeah. coffee at home, I make Pete's coffee. I hate yeah. Pete's coffee at the coffee Pete's coffee shop. It's I don't know why. It just tastes, it doesn't taste, but I like Pete's yeah. coffee at home. It's like... Yeah. So it's like they switched the beans out and they're actually Starbucks yeah. beans and the Pete's coffee. No, they're not, but that's yeah. what it, it feels like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I loved working. It was a fun job working at Starbucks. That's awesome. So um, we do not allow huts. They would cost you. I bet they would. I, you know, <laughs> it is amazing though. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Those little huts, yeah. they're everywhere. I mean, yeah. they're everywhere. In, yeah. In you could go and get like a tough shed and you could set it up and just That's get it. Yeah. And you're serving coffee. Like it's crazy in a, in a, a grocery store parking lot. Like yeah. uh, it's, it's nuts. People drive right up. And anyway, so, so you went to work at the Boeing company. You're working now as an executive assistant for very important people at this point, you're still 19 or you're 20? No, 21. I was like, at this point in time, I was probably 20, 21, 22, 22 years old. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and so you, how long did you stay there? I was there for over uh, 10 and a half years. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. About 11. So then after that job, I have a child that's howling. I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> I think it's my daughter. Is your, is your, I can't, I could barely. Okay. Well, we're just going to let her figure it out or have her brothers help her. <laughs> is your, your husband's not there? No. I told uh -oh. him when I, I said, I'm going to be on a show when you wake up. So just go ahead and get your iPads and play your iPads. I'm like, yes, mom's uh, on the show. Well, if you need to go check on her, you go for it. I might need to. Let's see if she can figure it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. So no, after that. I met someone, I got, um, I met someone at my church. Uh, we fell in love and we got married because that's what everyone was doing at my church was everyone was getting married. And, I'm and this, this is when, how old were you? I was 20. I, I met him when I was 21 oh, and okay. got married when I was 22. So the reason why I remember that is because of <laughs> how children, yeah. 
Um, and my kids don't know the story. So that's kind of why I'm whispering because they're waking up right now. Uh, um, but they, so yeah, so I met this guy, we got me, everyone in our church, they were all in their early twenties. They were all, call, you know, this is the time when everyone was getting married and da da da. So I was at the Boeing company. He was working in Seattle at a financial firm and, um, you know, it's just like, Oh, so we got married. Yeah. Um, and then a year and a half later, he had an affair and we got divorced. Oh, that's I know. Crazy. It's kind of, it was awful. I knew, I knew this. I forgot though. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, so that was really, because we were very involved with our church. Um, and so when it was kind of like, <gasps> like one, we didn't think anyone would ever get divorced <clears throat> from yeah. our church because we we're so holy. We we're so righteous. You know? <laughs> But we were trying to live that life, you know, we were trying to live a life of, um, of, you know, just of, um, humility, but also of trying to live a good upright life. Yeah. So when this happened, it was like the, like, as if my parents divorce wasn't hard enough on me, then this happens. And I'm like, I, cause I felt like I, even though I know God is in control, I kind of felt like, you know, I got, you know, I got this, I got a great job at the Boeing company. I've got, you know, I'm, I'm grown up. I'm an adult. And right. then the, something happens to you again, that is out of your control, you know? So yeah. a lot of forgiveness, a lot of forgiveness throughout my life towards my adopt, my birth family, towards my adopted family. And now mm. to my immediate family that just this happened. It's been yeah. so long that it doesn't, it doesn't like I've let it go. Yeah. I've forgiven. I've moved on in, yeah. in, in a great way. And so we, um, so, but the point being Boeing was like what I threw myself into. Like, I remember my mom, she told me this is a good lesson in life for um, me as a young adult and a female at that. She was like, Jamie, when you start working in any workplace, it doesn't matter what you never cry at work. I don't know why she, I mean, there's some valid stuff. I, I think maybe because for her and her generation, maybe women working in the workplace was, you know, still somewhat new. It's not like it is today, hopefully. Um, or it wasn't like it was today. I don't know if that makes sense. But basically, she was like, don't ever show your weakness in the workplace. And so I was, I was at um, having a, a meeting with my manager at the time. And it was like really, really, really fresh, everything that I was going through. And <clears throat> he knew something was up. So I just said, and he was a really nice, uh, nice guy, nice manager. And, and I just remember saying, telling him, I'm going through some really hard things in my personal life. And, and I started, and it just started, my tears started welling up and I started crying. And I said, I'm going like this happened. And I'm, going through a divorce and blah 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 and he pulled mm. had a special because he managed like eight women <laughs> he had a special drawer in his desk that was dedicated to his <laughs> box <laughs> and oh he my God. takes it out and he goes you know here you go like here you go and I go but you will never see me cry again and you will never see this how like this affect my professional like my professionalism and stuff because I had just started a new position, which was the pro airline program manager, which allowed me to go and travel all over the world. So it was a really important job. Wow. So, so because of the travel, I was able to like, I don't know, it just was the perfect timing for this job, for what I was going through in my life, for me to focus yeah. on that 
and not on the asshole. Uh, can I say that? <laughs> uh, you know, of, of who I, you know. Wow, we just crossed through. the PG line. Oh, yeah. So um, you can bleep that out. No, <laughs> but it is what, it, it was a thing that was like, I felt like it was a gift from God to be able to get through all that stuff. <laughs> Charles. I don't drink though. I'm allergic to alcohol. Uh, I get drunk wow. off of like a couple sips of beer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so, um, so all the tra and you were traveling all over the world. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember, um, somebody from my church, uh, an older, you know, like a kind of like a mentoring couple. Yeah. In the big so we I was a part of a, a, a like a generation X church and part of a bigger church. Yeah. And I went to that sometimes we would lead worship at that service and stuff because I was on the worship, I was on the worship team. <laughs> but um I I said I get to fly first first class and business class and everything, and uh and I get to stay in five star hotels and I don't have to pay like I get to just and I I'm like I don't know what to I am a 24 year old woman I don't wow. like how do I do this and and they're like just be like a princess just accept it this That's, is Bo that. Boeing telling you that no this is someone at my an older couple at my church they were oh. like just receive it like this is yeah. a gift from God just accept it be like royalty that's awesome so i was like okay so i mean wow. i i was quite a trip i don't know if anyone has traveled like that but you get to the front and you look at the you know uh what is it the 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 regular class and you're like peons <laughs> they're peons back then <laughs> i heard That's a comedian true. recently talking about that he's like he's talking about what 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 kind of we know what's going on when that curtain closes up there. Like it, <laughs> it's funny. All you, all you can like, no, it's, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, so you did that until you were 30 and, and what happened then? What, where'd you go from there? Well, so, um, you know, after the divorce happened, I didn't really date. I was like, I knew that some point in time I wanted to get married again, but I had to pour myself into my career. So I did. Um, and I wanted to heal. Like I just, I didn't want to be that woman that had baggage and took it into another relationship. Right. And I really wanted to find myself and I really wanted to be secure and confident in who I was. And so, you know, I bought a couple of houses. I had roommates. I had cash flowing. I, you know, all this and that. And this is in 2006 and 2007 ish time frame. Yeah. And then the 2008 crisis happens. Oh. And I fared through it pretty well. You know, I, I don't know how I did, but I did. And then, um, so I was like, here, I bought one house. I lived there for a while with some roommates and then I bought another house and then rented this house out. So this house was my cash cow. You know, like, you know, that's, I guess that's what they call it. So it was cash flowing. It was great. I got some renters in there. I, because I was traveling, I had a property management company managing the property, um, finding tenants, collecting the rent and doing all the maintenance. Yeah. And I was living in this other house. I had some roommates there and traveling still for the Boeing company. And then um, I decided, you know, I'm ready to meet someone. And again, there weren't very many eligible people at the Boeing company. Um, 
so, and there weren't very many people at the church either. And so I was like, well, maybe I should try this online dating thing. <laughs> so I did. Uh, and um, it, the first couple of months were a bust. I was like, these guys are just not really all that, like, you know, I was really not impressed. Right. So then a friend was like, well, why don't you try Cause I was trying match.com. I don't know. Yeah. 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 And so then I decided to try eHarmony. I gave it, I goes, okay, I'm going to, focus for 90 days <laughs> and because i was like i don't want to have a i don't want to <laughs> i'm going to give 90 days right and just see what happens and so you know I, I was meeting all these not all these people but a couple of people and communicating through their guided communication like i should be you know eharmony i don't even know but i think it's still around but yeah. Back then, it was really very careful. Like it wasn't like it is today. Uh, so, yeah. So I eventually was connected with my now husband, Matt, on on eHarmony. On eHarmony, and That's he was awesome. um, not really technically savvy, and so he didn't know to put his parameters of his search to just San Francisco or like the Bay Area, or not yeah. even the Bay Area. He just wanted. San Francisco. Yeah. Cause he was dating a gal in Walnut Creek, which is like maybe 25 miles from San Francisco, but it's equivalent to two hours of traffic. Yikes. So um, he, but he didn't know that. So, so we got matched cause I was in Seattle and he, he, you know, he was in San Francisco. And so I saw his picture and to be honest, at first sight, he, to me reminded me of Jason Statham. <laughs> so I was like, well, he's good looking. Uh, and, and I read his profile. I was like, this guy is actually quite unique and different. Not like yeah. the rest, like not, you know, yeah. showing party pictures. Like back then it was, what are your top five things that you can't live life without? And one, I mean, I remember them to this day. It was, Jeez. yeah. So I was like, it was a good pair of running shoes, an iPod, um, coffee, his passport and a good book. Wow. I was like, this tells, I mean, for him to write that, compared to, you know, uh, going out, you know, like I can't live without a beer or I can't live without my yeah. Xbox or I can't live without right. <laughs> Xbox. I can't live without, you know, and I was like, this guy is, you know, standing out amongst the crowd. So I'm, we ended up connecting and he's like, Jamie from Tacoma, Washington. Like, where's Tacoma? <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez! So, because I had noticed you looked at my profile, so I clicked and I started the guided conversation with him. Because I was like, "Why not?" Yeah. And then eventually, um, we just started communicating for three months. We had blackberries, and so we would do IM on our blackberries because yeah. everyone had blackberries, and you yeah. were awesome if you had a blackberry, you know. Because yeah. the president, uh, everyone on uh, what was it? on a 24 had blackberries, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yep. Cause that was the show that everyone watched back Glenn, then. Glenn. Glenn. With Glenn Morshaw. Yeah. That's Your right. buddy, our buddy. I know. I know. Uh, so, you know, we, yeah, so that's how we met. And so we started dating long distance and, and eventually like, so he's thinking, wow, now we just encourage singles. <laughs> Oh. I hope that this is an entertaining conversation. That's so funny, Charles. But it is, it is true. It's 100% true, this whole entire story. Wow. Um, 
you can't make it up. You just can't even if you wanted to. But so I, we were dating. I was traveling. We decided to meet. We met on the banks of the Sacramento River. No, that's wow. not true. Sorry. I go back. He flew up to Washington about three months after us meeting online. He wow. flew up to Washington and we met at SeaTac Airport. And I was standing there waiting for him and he came up and, and he, he was staying, he he was gonna stay with one of our my friends. And we just spent like basically 72, you know, three full days with each other. And and then we drove. I was driving down to Visalia, if anyone knows where Visalia is. Uh, Visalia, no. California, wow. and to, to see some friends who just had a baby and help with their firstborn while she was a, you know, because she had a C-section and it's really hard when you have a C-section and an infant so or a toddler. So I was helping. Mm -hmm. So we decided, why, why doesn't Matt fly up to Washington? We spend some time there and then we'll drive. We'll drive 13 hours in a car together. Wow. <laughs> From Washington State down, drop him off in San Francisco. I'll travel on to Visalia. And then if, you know, go from there. People thought we were nuts. And we were. I was. I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of nuts. Yeah. But, that's but I think awesome. I, being a world traveler, I, I felt like, you know, I got this. Yeah. You know, it's not weird. And from 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 Washington um, to look at, look at Mark Rodriguez. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. But from, from Tacoma to San Francisco, it's what, it's only like eight hours, isn't it? Well, when you stop for bathroom breaks and scenic, you know, and yeah, lunch yeah, and yeah, all that. Yeah, so yeah. it took 12 hours to get to San Francisco. Yeah. Wow. So, so do you know that we're almost out of time? Oh my gosh. Okay. So let me fast forward. No, I, I want to like, no, this is awesome. I, we, I've lost in the conversation. I just looked up. I'm like, it's almost an hour already. So I can't believe it's crazy. It's crazy. So, so here, but I, I want to get to, there was a, a moment where you became, you got into solar. Um, yeah. And I want to, I want to talk about that here in a minute. But sure. what, so, you know, you, you had left the Boeing company, right? Yeah. Where, where were you working somewhere? No. Okay. So, okay. So yeah. So we, <coughs> Excuse me. Matt and I dated long distance and that's when I left. I was cause he, he proposed to me a year later and I said, yes. And he was living in San Francisco. So that's wow. why I retired. I, I, I said, okay, I'm moving to California. Cause I don't, I was grateful, but I was not, I didn't want to be there my whole life. I didn't want to be in Washington in my whole life. I didn't want to be at the Boeing company my whole life, even though right. many, many people make their careers and their entire dedicate their lives to the Boeing company. Yeah. It wasn't something I wanted to do. So um, when he proposed, I, I moved to uh, down to California um, at the same time that rental house turned out to be a, like they were renting it out to somebody who was growing marijuana they found like 876 marijuana plants being grown in this three-story house, uh, ruined my house. My uh. Yeah, so Matt was like, he thought, wow, there, here's this like rock star woman, two houses, we were gonna keep them and like, you know, have them be rentals and start our real estate empire there. Um, but I, I basically, in the time that he met me, I, I filed bankruptcy because the house took me under. 
filed bankruptcy, moved, quit my job at the Boeing company, moved to San Francisco. <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> this isn't what you I You were going to be my for. sugar mama. What the hell is going on here? my sugar mama. And now... <laughs> So that was like, you know, 12 years ago that this all happened. And I moved to San Francisco right after the 2008 financial crisis. No one was hiring in San Francisco for any yeah. kind of job. So I, that's when I started hustling and became an entrepreneur. So I, I love photography. I, when I travel all over the world, I took beautiful landscape photography pictures. And so I bought a, a, a camera, started, and when I moved to San Francisco, I was a dog runner and I was a photographer. Wow. And a nanny for a little while. Um, and so I started the photography business. I did that for about five years. And meanwhile, I was learning how to trade the financial markets from home. Wow. <clears throat> so I, I had that's so I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that book changed my life. And uh, I awesome. say that and I smile only because I just recently got to meet Sharon Lecter twice. Sharon is amazing. And so I read that book and I went through all the rich dad. We went through all, this is when we started learning how to invest in ourselves and education. So yeah. we invested into the rich dad, poor dad ecosystem, went yeah. through all their financial trading, like, and still know the people today that, that did that. So I learned how to trade the stock market, options market, Forex and futures. Wow. And then, but we were having a family and there was no way to do that. So I blew up a couple of accounts trading, <laughs> um, which is apparently normal when you start trading the markets on your own. Wow. Um, but yeah, so I would do really well on trades and then I would do, I would, I was a gam, I was a gambler yeah. when it came to the market. I was like, yeah. okay, I'm all, I'm 10 Xing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Grant Cardone helped me in one trade 10 X my losses because <laughs> it was either 10x the 10x rule came out around that time i was like ah, yes i am applying this to my trading career oh my god i'm gonna, go, I'm gonna 10x my options trade and the and i was like very confident it was gonna the stock market stock was gonna pin at this and i had you know anyways yeah i i was at my son's third birthday party and no one knew this but i had a ten thousand dollar trade on the line $10,000 at risk uh, on a expiration Friday. I was 10xing. It was going to like, I was going to make $4,000 if this trade went in my favor. The market was closing the middle of my son's third birthday. And in the last 30 minutes, the, the stock just started selling off. I couldn't uh, get out of the trade. And here I am uh, like, Celebrating, and I can say this now because my mom knows, my husband, I mean, they all know what had happened, yeah. but it took, I told my husband, but I didn't tell my mom for a long time. And, uh, and I, because of that, and yeah, I had 10 options contracts and I couldn't get out of the trade fast enough. I couldn't get oh. out. It was just selling off like crazy. And, and I, that was my one day I lost $10,000 in one, in one trade. Oh my God. It was crazy. Yeah. Wow. But anyway, so then after that. Um, I was like, wait, maybe trading is not for me with, with young kids. And I started, <laughs> um, I had just had my third child at yeah. this point in like fast forward. I had my daughter in 2017 and I was working out at the gym and they were in the kids club. And I was like, man, I really, I was spending five, almost seven hours of my life 
working out at the gym on the treadmill or on the, you know, bicycle, yeah. whatever, I got to figure out something to do like, and to, to make some money. Yeah. Cause I, I've always been driven and I've always not money motivated, but just driven. Yeah. Um, and wanting to do something. And so I, I wanted to, I was like, I gotta figure out a million dollar idea. Like I have to figure it out. I have to do something. And so I went to Google and YouTube and I was like, how do I make money online? And that's when I stumbled across like Amazon FBA selling, like selling on Amazon. So private yeah. labeling and all that. So I learned how to do that. I bought a course on how to do that. I, I learned how to become an affiliate and make money online being an affiliate. And then um, I brought a product to market and I learned how to document the process. And so if anyone went to my um, my um, YouTube channel, the there's like 200 videos or 100 videos on my being a stay-at-home mom documenting wow. how to sell a, a single product like on Amazon that didn't have very good margin. So I spent about a year learning how to do this and my net profits were like negative $50 or something. Oh, geez. But I learned a ton. So like, yeah. it's really, it was worth it. I mean, I, there's still times when I go, Oh, we should dabble in e-commerce again, but it's a lot of work and, and it's not really my passion, but um, what that did was led me into learning about digital marketing and all that. And so that's how I met Joe Soto was um, through watching this guy that was teaching me how to sell on Amazon talked about Ty Lopez all the time. And so I was checked out Ty Lopez's videos and his courses. And Joe Soto was one of the teachers in um, Ty Lopez's social media marketing um uh, what are they? Um, modules. Yeah. And so I reached out to Joe Soto through Instagram and I was like, Hey, I like what you're teaching. Do you actually teach this? Like, do you have your own courses? And he's like, I actually do. And this was on Thanksgiving day, I guess two and a half years ago almost. And, and so that's how I met Joe. And then the, uh, like two months later, I, I flew out to Washington DC or Virginia where he was holding a mastermind, like for, digital marketing. So that's how I got connected there. And, and, um, the plan was to start a social media marketing agency. Cause I like, I think I could do this with three kids at home. <laughs> I think right. I can do this. Yeah. And at the same time, a friend of mine from years prior reached out to me on Facebook and he was like, Hey, Jamie, what's up? And I said, I'm, you know, I have three kids. I'm a stay at home mom. And I'm getting into digital marketing. He's like, oh, cool. I go, what are you up to? He goes, I'm helping a friend build a solar company. I was like, oh, tell me more. Because in my mind, I thought, well, maybe I could help do digital marketing for their solar company. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, yeah, they already they got that figured out. And um, yeah, Joe Soto is awesome. Uh, yeah. Totally changed my life. He's 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 helped me in more ways than he probably realizes. But yeah, uh, yeah so that's how I got into the solar industry. Uh, and so he's like, well, why don't we send someone over to your house? Maybe you should get solar. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. So they sent somebody over uh, to our house, um, two hour drive each way to come to our house and sit down at our dining room. Like I never had a salesperson come in and sit in our dining room table. And he comes, he's a half hour late, brings his girlfriend. They're not in any kind of uniform whatsoever. Wow. And they don't look like they want to be there. But he does this like, you know, an okay solar presentation. And I, we didn't buy that night, but I was like, 
after he left, I drilled him with tons of questions because in my mind, I was thinking maybe I can do solar or maybe I can do something with the solar industry, but I didn't know exactly what it was going to be. And so he, he does it. And I was like, if this is what this guy can do in telling me how solar works, I can do this. I felt like I could do this better. <laughs> so I, uh, he leaves and he's probably pissed that he drove two hours to my house. And I turned around and said, no, we're not buying solar yeah. tonight. Like that. No, thank you. Oh no, we're not going to do this tonight. So, um, I send my friend a message. I, I said, I want to do what he does. He goes, Oh, you want to, you want to sell solar? And I was like, yeah. He goes, okay, well, you're going to have to come up with your own, you're going to have to learn how to do it, learn everything. And then you're going to have to come up with leads and um, of your own. Yeah. And then you're going to have to go out and just, because these guys were working six days a week, 15 hour days, driving hundreds and hundreds of miles a day, going yeah. to five, six different appointments, maybe closing one or two a week. It just was like a grind I was not willing to do, especially yeah. with kids. There's no way I could do it. So they gave me the opportunity to learn solar, learn how to sell it, and then learn how to, they forced me to learn how to generate my own leads. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take my social media marketing skills and I'm going to just do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're doing it. You're do and you're I'm doing it. it. So two and a half years later, I'm doing it. And you're killing it. Some would say that. Yeah. I mean, you're one of the, you're one of the top solar people in the country, aren't you? Yes, Ken, I am. I am. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> no, I've done, I've done, I've done well in, in regards to solar sales and learning how to market myself online and, you know, Grow Alive Academy has really helped me in, in my ability to use social media in ways that I knew I needed to do. I yeah. just didn't know how, because I would go to social media marketing world. I would go to conversations, you know, chat bot conference, yeah. um, I'm going to be going to Funnel Hackers Live in in September. Um, there we go, Justin Benton. Oh my! Um, you know, I have been following Russell Brunson for probably the last four, three to four years, three years at least. He's so intelligent, so smart, and so I've learned a lot from him. Joe Soto, Jeffrey Gittimer on how to sell, like, and Grant yeah. Cardone, like these, yeah. and and so when I met you. I think I met you through Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Maybe because of Jeffrey, you know, because I'm in a mastermind with Joe and Jeffrey and yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but you were had this course and I would see you pop up on my feed all the time because you would go live all the time, Ken. I do. Yeah, the real deal holy field. Isn't I, I, I do. I really I, I that Mike like, Tyson bit off Evander Holyfield's ear, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. that fight. I grew up yeah. watching boxing and I was a huge Rocky fan. Huge, huge Rocky fan. Thanks to my dad. So, you know, you, you've, you've done, I mean, you've done and, and not a judgment cause I've done more, a lot more different things. Um, but you've, you've done a handful of things. You've yeah. experienced success. You've experienced loss. Um, you've experienced bankruptcy. You've experienced everything. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yes, I've and, I've experienced a lot. I mean, we. I mean, yeah. It's that, when you when you put it like it, that, it's been a lot. Look, pain is the predecessor of all wisdom. I don't care what anybody says. We we only we we learn from that. That's why people are like, well, I can't make a mistake. 
Yes, you can. And you have to, like you have yeah. to, like you have, you have to screw to. up. It's the only way to get to, to, to success in life. But so, so in your opinion, because I know you deal with a lot of solar sales people and sales people in general, um, what do you think holds most people back in life from experiencing number one, financial success and number two, true joy and happiness? Oh, those are some loaded questions. Um, so I'll start with that. What do you think, what do I think keeps people from experiencing true joy and happiness? Yeah. I think it's, it is that if they've gone through pain in their life and that they haven't let go of it and they haven't truly healed from it, from the inside out, that it's going to keep, it's going to, it's going to um, prohibit them from allowing grace and forgiveness and to to flood their own lives and to then to then go and reciprocate it to others that may have wronged you or hurt you or injustices that you experience in life and it took a long time um going through the healing process of everything like you know because that if you think about it adoption is a wonderful thing but it's because you were abandoned and rejected by your family for some reason and so I just grew up knowing that that was the case, but I I was okay with it because I was adopted into my family, even though it wasn't this fairy tale family. It was my family, and I think right. having that come—I mean, I'm serious—that that come to Jesus moment where salvation um, happened in my life, and I've, I I was like very much about aban like abandoning my like okay. I, I, I'm not in control of my life. I'm going to hand it over to you, God. You do what you will. However you want to use me, use me. Um, it's weird to kind of have that conversation on a live stream, but it was the thing that really transformed my life and grounded me Right. was God's love and his forgiveness and his gift of, you know, whether you people are believers or not, but that was the thing that worked and still works for me in my life. So that going through all that pain and, and like, you know, I remember there was a time when I was, I was 15 years old. I, my mom got remarried, like eloped to Vegas. My parents, when they got remarried, they eloped, like they didn't tell us that we were, they were getting married. So my mom eloped to Las Vegas with her now, I mean, still husband today, but I, we didn't know him. Like, so we had no clue who he was. We met him maybe once or twice. And then we like, she uprooted us and moved us to Santa Monica, California from Washington state I, at 15 years old. I went from being a junior higher, like being in junior high to all of a sudden being thrown into one of the largest schools in San, Santa Monica uh, as a, as a ninth grader going into high school. It was like the most daunting thing in my life. And yeah. it was so hard, but again, God, like just put me in front of the right people I, again, I mentioned, I love playing fast pitch and I was a catcher in fast pitch. I, that's the position. So I played and I was in PE. My PE teacher was the varsity fast pitch coach for Santa Monica high school. And if anyone that knows Sam, Sam high was like, that is where you played fast pitch. If you wanted to like play anywhere in, in, in Los Angeles area, they were state champions, I think for several years. So it was like when I didn't know what I didn't know. And I, she's like, well, she knew I was new. She's like, well, do you play any sports? And I was like, I play fast pitch. I've been playing since I've been playing baseball since I was five. She's like, well, 
we already had made cuts and all that, but why don't you come practice with us? Just come out on the field and practice. And I said, okay. So I showed up and I basically walked onto the varsity fast pitch team. Wow. Which as a freshman. Wow. And, and played there and um, things, things got really rocky with my mom and, and stepdad at the time. But I, I, but I re the thing is I remember being so depressed and until that happened, you know, it was the thing that I could, oh, we're having a huge, can you hear that beeping? We're having a big dumpster dropped off because my <laughs> husband wants to get rid of everything in our house. And that's what that is. So if you that's hear awesome. a loud crash of the, the can't, like the dumpster being dropped yeah. off in our driveway, that's what it is. But I was like, what is that? <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, you know, I just remember being, at the bottom of my like feeling like this is the all time low of my life. Like I yeah. thought going through divorce and my parents getting divorced was a bad thing. And, and, you know, so I just kept going through these moments in life and realized I, you know, I just, I need something bigger and beyond me to help me live a life worth living yeah. and with a life with joy. So if that answers that question, that's what I would it say does. was God's grace. I think that that if you you know, uh, I, I mean, I liked I liked the fact that you you said, um, and I talk about this all the time. You've probably heard me say it, but you know, there's a book called um, Power Versus Force that is one of the best books ever written. Um, it's a very thick book, and I've read it twice. But it's about you know, I'm gonna do a horrible summary of it. But he says in this book that that whenever we're trying to force anything in life, it's a universal principle that we automatically create resistance spiritually in the universe. When you're trying to push, 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 like the sales guy that sat at your kitchen table, had he been really pushy and really over the top, then, you know, it may have, it may have turned you off uh, to the solar industry completely. Totally. And, right. But, yeah. but like you said that you, you know, it, it was when you found Christ and you, you, you literally surrendered and, oh, and real, real power in life comes from surrender. When we say, I don't have all the answers, something else must, are you, there's a, there is, is everything okay? You're looking over there. Yeah. He's it's about, he's about to like, you know, it, the hydraulics are up and he's oh, oh, kind of fun. Oh, to watch. You can see it. Yeah. Oh, uh, here it goes. It's sliding off the thing. I don't know what the thing is. <laughs> Sorry. I'm being super, but no, it was total surrender. Yeah. I, yeah. I had to give, you know, I had to do that. It was the thing that saved, say like it really did save me. So, so uh, let, let me ask you this, I, you know, in, in 2020, we experienced some, some insanity over the last year and year and a half. Um, and I hear California is still pretty, pretty insane in a lot of ways. Well, no, <laughs> but, we can now in Marin <laughs> County, we can now go outside without masks on. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so, Wow. Um, so, so suicide rates went up significantly, I mean, globally, but, you know, let's talk about the U S and, you know, I think that a lot of people just got to the point where it's like, they lost all hope. Mm 
And for, for anyone listening or watching the replay or watching live, if, you know, if the, maybe they're at the end of their rope, maybe they've had a car repoed or they've, they electrics being shut off or, you know, just a, a whatever their life is hitting them hard. What would you say to that person to help them get through to the next moment, knowing that it's going to be okay? We know that, but they may not yeah. know that. What would you say to, to help them? I would say, um, well, going back to that Santa Monica, I remember feeling uh, before the fast pitch thing happened, I remember I was miserable. I was depressed. I, I did feel like this moment of helplessness. And I remember taking um, a bunch of Tylenol PM. And I was thinking, I just don't want to wake up the next day. I was so depressed. And I don't think my mom knows the story. So if she's watching down the road, this is, this is, I mean, I was like, I, I didn't really want to take my life, but I was thinking this is the only way, like, this is the only way out, which is so weird that I had that thought, but I, I took like eight Tylenol PM thinking that maybe it would do something. I, and I don't mean to laugh at that, but it's just so absurd that that's as a 15 year old person, that's what I was thinking. I woke up the next day and nothing happened. And I was like, Oh, thank God. Cause I just knew life was more, there was more to life than that decision. And I know it's a very real yeah. thing. Our community here uh, where I live just um, last this week or last week, late last week, um, a high schooler took their life and it, and it's, there's been a couple of suicide in our town with really young people. And I just want the people that are in that desperate, desperate place in life to know that there's your life is worth living and there's you, you are a gift and you, you have power, you have a purpose in life. And if you haven't figured it out yet, it's, you will, you will at some point in time learn what that is and your purpose and that you have to live it. You have to keep going to figure out what that purpose in life is and what your gift or talent or whatever it is that you um, were meant and created to do. Uh, you have to wait and find out what it is and to not, not to sell yourself short or give up too soon, because I think that's what people have been feeling is hopeless or that they're um, maybe invisible to people, or they might not feel like their life matters, but your life matters. So you have to, you have to wake up and you have to keep going. I so absolutely agree. What I would have to say. And I, I mean, I think, I, I think that, yeah, a lot of people um, have been in desperate situations. I remember 2000, after the 9-11 happened, um, there was a huge spike of suicide then as well. And it's because yeah. people feel hopeless. They feel like they don't have a solution to the, the immediate problem. But um, I would say, keep going. Don't give up. You, you will, there, There's a way out of the situation. You just need to Amen. ask for help. Yeah. Amen. I agree. Jamie Green, the solar queen. Jamie, you are amazing. You are a oh. light shining brightly to this world. I, I'm I'm honored to call you a really, really, really good friend to me and my wife. We love you and adore you. Um, I'm also honored to call you a client that we're doing some work for. And, and, and you're, and I'm a student, I'm a student and, and you're a student. I, I, I love it. You're, you're an amazing woman. 
I am so grateful to know you and call. I, I real. I'm just grateful for you. You're, uh, you're amazing. Thank you, Ken. I, and I have to say, you know, life is really good right now. Like life, my 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 wonderful husband and kids, and in our life is what we make of it. You know, and I do feel like God's hand, of, you know, his his grace is on us and. If you, if you, or higher, whatever it is that you believe in, but you just got to be open and willing um, to, to let that happen. And so um, I'm, I love life. I'm grateful for life and any way that I can help or impact or um, be an inspiration. I just thank you for letting me share. <laughs> I didn't, this is not the interview I thought it was going to be, but it was, I, it's great. It's, like it's you never been, know where the conversation is going to go. You don't. And it's been absolutely perfect. Even, even Jill, Jill said such an awesome interview. What oh, a rock Jill. star. So, um, you may need to grab a vacation home it's, in Hawaii. <laughs> it's it's been on my vision board and in my mind. Like I'm, we're trying to figure out ways to to do make it will happen. I'm will. sure of it. I know it yeah. will. You're a rock star, Jamie. Thank you. Stay with me. I'm gonna end this. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Where's Ken. the best place to follow you? Is it Facebook and Instagram or yeah, Facebook and Instagram? I got to figure out TikTok. I, I actually opened up the app the other because Robbie Cornelius was like, yeah, you need to get on Facebook. You would do great there. I mean, not Facebook. Yeah. TikTok, you would do TikTok, great there. Yeah. And I'm like, how do I even use this app? <laughs> it's it's no, but yeah. Facebook and Instagram are the places um, that you can find and follow me. And we'll, we'll, we'll get you going. I, I talked to Robbie this morning. He's such, he's such a good dude. So That's Jamie, dude. thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to everybody who shared this out and watched with us and, and make sure you go over to Facebook and Instagram and follow Jamie green, the solar queen. Some great things are coming from this lady. <laughs> thank you, Jamie. Thank you. See you guys.